Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 65 of the Fierce Calling podcast. I'm your host, Doris Swift, and I am thankful that you're listening in today. If you're new to the podcast, I want to warmly welcome you. And if you've been a faithful listener, I thank you so much. It really blesses me. And today I have an amazing guest. And before that, though, I want to mention that I am currently booking my speaking calendar for 2022. Now that we can gather in person, and I would love to talk with you about speaking at your next women's event. So if either you or a woman that you know plans events, I want to chat with you. So check out my speaking page at doraswift.com. Today, I have my friend Peg Arnold on the show, and she is an author, a speaker, counselor, and a teacher. But what's really fun, too, about Peg that I love so much is she has an engaging drama ministry that God gave her. He gave her even the characters and everything right down to the costumes. I mean, it's just amazing to hear. So Peg's going to share about that, but she's also going to share how God brought her through some difficult seasons and how he confirmed a big move in her life, which a lot of times change can be hard. And maybe you're experiencing a change right now and could use some encouragement in your decision-making and listening for God's voice. And I know what Peg has to say is going to inspire, encourage, and challenge you. So listen in while I have a chat with Peg Arnold. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today, I'm so excited to invite my friend Peg Arnold to the show. She's a speaker, author, and she has a degree in both teaching and a master's in counseling. So that is a cool mesh right there. She brings stories of life through her engaging drama ministry that encourages all to embrace their God-given value. And we're going to hear more about that, which I am so intrigued because I love drama. I uh, used to be in a drama ministry at church, but we don't have that anymore. But anyway, uh, she balances the role of wife and mom with counselor and teacher. Her favorite role now, of course, is that of Nana, which I can relate. And she freely shares the joys and challenges of these life experiences in her writing and speaking. So welcome to the show, Peg. So great to have you today. Oh, it's so good to be here with you, Doris. I'm excited about today. Me too. I've been looking forward to this. And I know that you have such a great story and so many facets of your story to tell. I'm also interested in the drama part with the ladies, because as I mentioned, I love drama. It's very cool to be able to portray different roles. And Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's my my teaching background that kind of led me into not only the drama, but as a teacher, I was always, always working with the modalities of learning, making sure that my lessons had both the audio the visual, the kinesthetics, the movement. And when God kind of opened the door into ministry, I thought I need to do that with every message I give is to engage all those senses. Mm -hmm. And drama like music engages the mind and the spirit and the emotions. It, it has a way of going into places in our heart and spirit that just our words can't do, whether it's a visual of a glass of water, half empty, half full, or whether it's a character that is speaking 
truth or speaking humor even, you yeah. know, it can portray and God can work through that message in a powerful way. That was beautifully said. And I love that too, because some people are visual learners and some people are auditory learners, Absolutely. as you know, you know, as a teacher, and it's so exciting how God equipped you with that for what he is now using that for, you know, allowing you to use those gifts and talents for. So Peg, I would love if you would share a little bit about your story and how you're taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Oh, thank you. It's, it's exciting to share. Although I, I have had a lot of ups and downs. It's kind of a roller coaster story. I grew up as a fourth child in a family of five. My dad was a PK, so I grew up in the church. Now, Jesus and my relationship, I, I had those times that I was committed to him, and then I had those times that I strayed away. I think we all go through prodigal years. I met my husband in college, and we got married soon after college. We had two children, and through our marriage, we went through some difficult times, unemployment, a topic pregnancy, infertility. I went through an eating disorder. You know, there are all kinds of different things that we went through. And I can see God's fingerprints in walking through with us in every single one of those situations. And I think that sometimes when we are going through difficult times, especially this past year that many of us have gone through, people are looking back and I am praying that everyone can see that God has been walking with them, even though we maybe lost our purpose or didn't know or our purpose changed and life changed on a dime for all of us. I'm praying that everybody can look that when we walk through the valley, he is with us. And sometimes we don't see that until we are on the other side and looking back on everything. So that's a little bit. I. I always say I grew up in Michigan, I raised my kids in Maryland, and I now enjoy being a Nana in Colorado uh, with five grandchildren and one on the way. But as far as my passion and my compassion, I loved being a teacher, loved working with kids, and found that I loved working with them one-on-one and knowing their story. And that's why I went back for my master's in counseling. So my last 20 years in education were spent in counseling with middle schoolers. Now, and I have to put a shout out to every parent of a middle schooler, because I know when you wake up, you don't know who you're going to meet in the morning (laughs) or in the evening and who that child is going to be. And I just want to give a shout out. Stay there, mamas and papas of middle schoolers and guardians of middle schoolers, because they just want to be loved and they're trying to spread their wings. And sometimes they do it in ways that challenge us Mm -hmm. for those that are loving them and raising So as a counselor of a middle schooler, again, I said, my lessons, I love to engage the auditory, the visual. Well, at the same time, while I was doing that, I was a leader in my church ministries with women's ministries. And I started leading Bible studies and teaching small groups and then leading on being a speaker on some weekend retreats just for my own church. And as I put together talks, I would engage those senses with some visual aids and different things like that. 
And one time I was given a script that I had to give as a talk. And I looked at this script and as an educator and somebody who wanted it to be engaged, it felt very dry to me. So I was praying, Lord, how can I make this connect? Because it was a a real important of how to take action in our Christian life. And it was talking about the pitfalls of, well, sometimes you can be, you know, too organized and want everybody to do it your way. And sometimes you can be too evangelistic. And sometimes you can doubt yourself and be too shy. And sometimes you can be the yes person and say yes to everything. And these characters came to mind to dramatize these four different pitfalls. And sometimes when the Lord gives you an idea, Doris, you're sitting there going, really, God, I'm not (laughs) sure that's how you want me. It sounds a little uh, disrespectful or irreverent to be able to do this in a church situation or a religious situation. And no, I mean, he gave me the scripts and he gave me the costumes and he gave me the modality of how I was going to change. And I thought, I've never done this before. So I kind of did it. I practiced it for my small group, you know, and they said, oh, wow, they loved it. And then I practiced it for the group that I was going to, that I was teaming with to do this retreat. And they gave me feedback on it. And I practiced it in front of my dad, a pastor. (laughs) And he said, oh, Peg, I think this is going to go further than this retreat. Mm -hmm. So, and my dad wasn't, so I wouldn't call him somebody who said I prophesied, but I think my dad had the power of prophecy. And so when I did it on this retreat, a friend who was a pastor said, you need to come to my church and do this. And she really engaged me and mentored me. And she is the one that kind of said, this needs to be a ministry, a drama ministry. And so she opened the door and God kind of pushed me through. Now, these ladies, Doris, there is, they all have names. So the yes mom that over overfills her calendar is called Penelope Pressure Pot. And the too shy is called Sylvia Supporter. And the organized one who says do it my way is Octavia Organization. And then there's Esmeralda Evangelistic. And they all have these outlandish characters. And then it kind of grew because I would go to churches and there would be an older, I say an older generation, which I feel like I'm getting closer to. So I had to come up with artist arthritis. And then the one who kind of is in our age group, yours and mine, who was a Nana, but she kind of is forgetful, is Dolores Distracted. So all these <laughs> women characters started coming together to say, we are all different. It's the message that God was giving me through that was that God loves every single one of us where we're at. Talk about passion and compassion, meeting with your conviction to equip women to engage and embrace their gifts. And that's the message that these ladies have. They bring to the forum in a whole group of women. And now men even have asked for them and want to see them. But they they empower everyone to embrace their story, 
to know that God loves them right where they've been and where they're going. Their story has purpose and he wants to equip them to use their gifts in whatever world God has put them in. And that's what these ladies do. They represent that God loves even these ladies. And when you see them, they have their faults and failures and they might rub you the wrong way. But then the other piece to that is God has put all these personalities into the body of Christ. You know, we are hands and we are feet and we're not necessarily going to think the same way and we're not necessarily going to communicate the same way, but God wants to bring us together in those two greatest commandments to love him and to love others by learning to love ourselves. Amen. The ministry that you have and how the Lord led you to act out these characters of people that are made and created differently, these differences can melt together and work together as one body with many, many members, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's strengths in each of those personalities. And so by acting out these characters, it engages those brains like, oh, I'm like that, but I'm not like that. Oh, but I'm friends with a person like that. And (laughs) So it, it engages that God can design unity within all these differences. Yes. And we do need to use our gifts and be able to work with others. And when we see people the way God created them, it puts us together like pieces of a puzzle that we fit together and make a beautiful picture of the church. It's where we fix our eyes. You know, we can fix our eyes on what our differences are. And I think this year has been a place where people have focused on the differences and it's created chasms. Whereas if we fix our eyes on what we have in common, then it makes a difference because then we draw together on what we share in common. And then we try to bring those differences in as a highlighting what we have in common. As a pastor's kid, there were times that were probably kind of a challenge to you, right? Were you expected to act a certain way or be a certain way? Or how was that growing up? It's interesting that you asked that. I remember moving when I was going into seventh grade and meeting a friend who is still a friend today, but she was forced to come and introduce herself because the pastor had a daughter the same age and she wasn't quite sure because she'd never been friends with a pastor's kid. Mm -hmm. She thought I would always carry a Bible with me everywhere I went, even to school. And we went to public school. And when I said I had a headache and took an aspirin, she said, what? You take an aspirin? I thought you just prayed for healing. So I had, you know, I grew up with people that assume different things and put me into categories. But there's also the part of the pastor's kid that I learned how to balance two sides of my life very well. Uh, Being the pastor's kid in the right areas and then kind of stretching my wings in other areas and thinking I was being very adept at hiding it from people. And as I became an adult in my adult years, I realized that I needed to not be two different people. 
And I wanted to be able to have the integrity that if I met somebody in one situation and met them in another situation, that they weren't going to bring up a situation that would embarrass me. Remember, Mm -hmm. I talked about prodigal years. So as an adult, I had to work at integrating and being my real self in all situations. And only God and the Holy Spirit can do that, is to be able to come to him and say, God, I want to be true to you no matter where I am. And I would say it took me into my late 20s um, and even early 30s before I felt like I was truly the same person in all situations. I love that you brought that out. That is so important because that happens to a lot of us where we feel like, you know, maybe we need to put on airs or we need to be a different person in different situations. And I know it too connects with people pleasing and those kind of things Absolutely. that we really don't need to get into because we are called to please the Lord. And when we're doing that, everything falls into place, but it's easier said than done. And, you know, so I love that you said that because we don't want to also appear hypocritical because that is oftentimes mm-hmm. the way those who walk with Jesus might be judged or Christianity and as a whole can be judged as being, you say one thing and you do something else. So it's so important to, like you said, which was such a key thing is be who we are, be mm-hmm. who God created us to be, be the person that we are and not have to produce this other persona, which you kind of know in your drama experiences that we tend to do that. Sometimes we tend to be characters in our own lives that aren't really who we are. So it's good to hear that because it's permission to be ourselves because it's exhausting trying to be two different people. I mean, well, I think, I think they call it imposter syndrome today, Yes, you know, so, and I can identify. And I said, and I made the comment, it wasn't until my thirties, but I think I've been working on that all my life. You know, I think we, we say, okay. I think the realization that I needed to blend these two came in my late 20s, early 30s. But I think it's been a process that I still work on today. When somebody meets me, no matter where I am, I want to be the same person that is a person of faith, is a Christian. I want them to know what my personality is. I don't want it to be different. And I want to be Christ light, whether I'm with my family whether I'm with my friends, whether I'm with people I don't know, or I'm in my church, I want to be Christ-like in every single place I am. Amen. We allow people into our lives so that they can get to know us and how Christ has transformed our lives, but not that it's always been perfect or ever will really be perfect. So I would love to, to kind of transition to that, if you could share the different experiences you've had where God has brought you through to overcome these difficult circumstances in your life that, you know, has to do with the past things you struggled with, but also big moves and your recent accident that you had. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah, we'd love to hear about that. I know that will encourage someone today. So I said, I grew up in Michigan. I raised my kids in Maryland. And I now live in Colorado. If you asked me five, well, probably 10 years ago, if I would ever move out of Maryland and to Colorado, I would have said, why would I ever go to Colorado? 
So to try and make it a little bit shorter, my, um, my daughter and her husband uh, transferred from Virginia to Colorado. And then my son and his wife were in Pennsylvania. We were, so we were in Maryland, Virginia and Pennsylvania, which I thought that's all, you know, we're not right at each other's door, but we were all fairly close. Mm -hmm. But then they ended up in Colorado and my husband and I were looking at each other. My husband said, well, I'm ready to go to Colorado. And I was still working full time, had my ministry on the East coast. And I said, well, let's just spend our vacations going to visit the kids. And as we did that over a year, it became real obvious that God was probably going to adjust our, our, at my expectations. And I literally, Doris, I went through this time of feeling like God had me standing on the edge of a cliff, telling me to jump. And it meant that I had to quit my, my full-time job that I'd been in for over 20 years. And then it also meant that I had to trust God with my ministry because I had developed it and it was pretty much geographical by word of mouth in the Maryland Delmarva area on the East Coast. And I was just out walking and saying, Lord, you're asking me to jump off this cliff and move to Colorado. And I just don't, I don't know how you're going to do this and what I'm going to do. Plus to add to that, we had lived in the same house for 32 years. So we were there, our roots went deep, deep into this area. We had friends that were like family for us. And as I was on that walk, he said to me, and I can still remember it, what makes you think I don't have things prepared for you in Colorado? And I just started weeping because I thought, how small am I making God? And I came home, my tears were dried by then, but my countenance must have been completely different because my husband said, well, something happened to you on that walk. I need to know what. And I said, we're moving to Colorado. <laughs> and, and he said, what? And I said, God just said he had things prepared for me in Colorado to not worry about the ministry, to not worry about this. And that I'm to, and I, I had enough years I could retire, so to speak. I don't like using that word, <laughs> but I could retire from the school system. And he always said, when I left the full-time school system that he would open doors in ministry for me and and I thought it was going to be on the east coast so that started our process in moving to Colorado now we always think okay if you got a word from the Lord then that must have meant things just went smoothly and no you know there was giving up the house of 32 years and all those things that go with a cross-country move I went through that whole cleaning out and getting rid of things that you had collected over 30 years. Even if you've been in a house for 10 years, that, that's a huge job. But we got rid of probably 50% of our household goods, wow. which is huge. And that's a whole nother story when you're talking about that. We did make the move to Colorado. And, and I thought, well, how, how's this going to do with my ministry? And there's a 
website that you and I are both on through Marnie Spedberg with Christian Women. And some of the my first ministry opportunities came through her website of people who didn't know me. It was God's way of saying, yes, this, I have things prepared for you. And then I had some mentorship uh, opportunities that people reached out not knowing who I am. And as we talked, there were these woven threads of commonality that God had gone before me, just like he said to Moses and Joshua, I go before you into the promised land and I'm preparing a place for you. He was showing me in every step of the way that he had gone before me. So I thought, you know, things were going just fine. And less than a year being in Colorado, I had a ski accident that put me in a wheelchair. Surgery put me in a wheelchair for eight, eight weeks. And I had to cancel all my speaking engagements. I had ones on the East Coast in Michigan and in Colorado. And being a dramatist, I can't very well do a young mom with a cane in a wheelchair. I can't very well do Mary and Martha because my drama has expanded into you know, women of the Bible. I can't very well do Mary and Martha with a wheelchair or the woman at the well with a wheelchair. Yeah. And so he put me in this place of being still. And I always say the devotion I read the day before I went on the ski and it was water skiing was be still and know that I am God. And I'm reading it and I'm thinking, oh Lord, you've given me this time in Colorado. I'm spending this time in the morning being still with you. Oh no, he didn't just want the mornings. He wanted to stop my life completely and be still. Wow. And I, I thought, well, what is this going to do? And in the course of that, he brought people into my life. And I've been doing this blog of, devotions for the distracted heart and you talk about us you know, letting our life be known before others that blog kind of turned in then to a devotional and it's now a published book on Amazon and on my website but devotions for the distracted heart but it never would have been published if I hadn't had an abrupt stop to my life to be still to focus on him and to appreciate where he had me there in Colorado, separated from my friends and my support system. He showed through my church that there were people who wanted to support me here. He extended friendships here and he has grown me in new places that I never would have grown had I stayed in Maryland in what was familiar, warm, and comfortable. You know, sometimes God takes us out of that familiar, warm, and comfortable, makes us jump off that cliff to know that he's there to catch us. And he lands us into this new promised land where we don't have the same routine that we had in Egypt and we are eating manna and quail and different things, <laughs> you know, and so I always say it was like he transplanted me. He pulled me up by the roots in Maryland where it's green and it's warm and humid and moist and put me in the dry area of Colorado 
but that has the grandeur of the mountains and has adventure and it looks different, but it is a place where God wanted me to now grow in different ways. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. There was a whole lot more of learning along that. I had my times that I broke down and I would say to my husband, I can't do this. I can't sell this house. And it was already sold and a contract was on it. He goes, we can't turn back now, honey. And so I said, we just need to go take a walk. And we would go take a walk and we'd see an eagle. And it was like the Holy Spirit saying, I am with you. You know, I, I can walk and not be weary. I can run and not faint. You know, I lift you up on the wings and I'm going to fly with you in every step of the way. That's awesome. I love that. That's so beautiful. And how you were talking about being transplanted, because it is so important to remember that sometimes change doesn't feel warm and fuzzy, Mm -mm, but mm -mm. if it's God's will for us to move, he will cause us to move for his purposes and his glory and how he was able to open up your speaking engagements and everything wherever you were, because that wouldn't be shut down because it's his ministry through you, not our own ministry. We try to do things on our own power sometimes, and it just doesn't work that way. I was doing a talk on rest and there's a scripture in Psalms. Some versions say, be still. The word was rest in some versions, but be still in other versions. When I looked up the Hebrew meaning, it meant to grow dumb, be silent, you know, wait on him patiently. And it's interesting how we can keep going, 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 feeling like we're doing what we're called to do. We're following the Lord's leading. But in reality, our train has kind of run off the rails and we don't really realize it. And he wants to get us back on track. But first, we need to spend time with him. And you wouldn't have had a ski accident where you were. And not that a ski accident is something that he would want you to have. But he used it like, you know, where it says in Romans eight twenty eight, he works all things together for your good. Mm-hmm. Just like this mm-hmm. pandemic. Who would think in our lifetime that the whole world could just be shut down? We don't really think about those things until it happens. But how did that cause us to have to make changes and seek him and his guidance and everything? So I love that you were able to be quiet and still and have a time of restoration and refreshment in him. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how he did that yeah. in your life. That's precious. And I know that there's a listener right now that is probably struggling in that area with indecision of where they need to be. And and rest can mean a physical place, or it can, and it, but it's also a spiritual and emotional place. Right, and right. And part of that, like you were talking about the Israelites and our promised land and things like that. And it's like, oftentimes that was a settlement where they were going to actually settle And so he can settle down our soul and our spirit when we're where he's called us to be. Well, and yeah, absolutely. And to realize that if we compare that to the Israelites, you know, they had battles in this journey. They had times of complaining. They had times where they strayed and they worshiped the wrong, you know, graven images. So here God had you know, God had brought them through this great miracle of escaping slavery, and they still went through the times of grumbling, and it was 40 years. You know, we've had this one year of pandemic, 
And yeah. I guess I want to say to the listener that is really struggling right now is that God sees you. He knows what you're going through and he desires you to feel his loving arms wrap around you and say that you are not alone. And I just feel like you don't look at the back and have shame in your story. That God wants to bring restoration, rest to you, but he also wants to bring glory through your story and give you strength. So if it's first confessing your story to the Lord in private, sometimes that's the first step that we take. And I think we all need to be reminded that God doesn't want us to come to him with flowery prayers of what our promises are. God wants us to come to him with our doubts, our challenges, our confessions of where we feel we failed, our tears. And he is there because he is the great healer. He is the great restorer. And as we talk about this rest, the verses in Matthew, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and, and heavy laden, laid down with concerns and worries, which I know people are dealing with wondering where finance is going to come with, or they're having difficult with their children, or they're grieving a lost child, a prodigal child, but you are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. And I love how the message says about taking you into the unforced rhythms of life. Mm -hmm. I like that phrases that I will meet you in the unforced forced rhythms of life and we've been through unforced rhythms but there's learning to be done there's restoration to be done in those times and he meets you where you are right now so I just want to encourage fix your eyes on him and he's going to give you hope even when you feel there isn't hope and look for the glimpses of sunlight that are peeking through those dark clouds, because it might be just in an encouraging card. It might be in an encouraging post that you see on Instagram that is all of a sudden a verse that is a light. Then take that and hold yourself on that verse and write it on a post-it note, put it on your mirror so that you can be reminded that God loves you deeply. He has purpose for you and that you are gifted. You have a purpose right where you are. You don't have to move to Colorado. You don't have to, but if you are moving, that God has a purpose where he's going to take you. Praise the Lord. That was so beautifully said. And that is such an encouragement to everybody that's listening can relate to that. Any listener right now can relate to the things that you had just said, because we do have similar experiences, although our stories may differ, but our stories connect us in ways that we could never fathom in ways that the Lord will use these stories. Like when someone hears our story, we don't know what God's going to do with that in the lives of the people that are hearing it, because it's up to him to do the mighty work, you know, the Holy Spirit to move on these stories and those who listen and hear them as to how that might encourage transformation and change in the lives of those who have 
been able to hear the story. So I love that. And that one scripture I was talking about was Psalm 37, seven. Okay. To make that clear, because it is so important what you were sharing about being still in a time of waiting and rest and just, you know, sometimes we feel that it, things that are going to be the end of us are really just the beginning of something new that God wants to do in our lives, in our, in our ministry, you know, whatever it is that he wants to do. And, and sometimes we just have to stop and realize that there's some areas in our life that we might not have fully surrendered and surrender is so key, Peg. So thank you for that. Yeah. And, and, and I do want to say, Doris, sometimes you are ashamed of your story, but your story is what somebody else needs to hear to let you know you're not alone and that your story gives encouragement to someone else to let them know they're not alone. Because there's, we have more in common with each other than differences. Absolutely. I know. And I don't know how many times you've shared, because I've experienced this personally too. You share something that you've gone through in your life. And afterward, women come up and say, Ooh, that was my story. or That happened to me. And I've never been able to tell it. And now I feel like I can tell it. And it's yes. so true because once you share that, it takes ourselves out of it. It's to glorify God. So when we're not focusing ourselves and what people think of us, instead, knowing that God wants to use it to redeem others, you know, it's so beautiful. And thank you for bringing Absolutely. that up and yeah. encouraging other people to do that and to share their story. And, and I just would love if you could share how can the listener connect with you, find your ministry, see how they could even have you come to wherever they are as these things with the pandemic are starting to relax a little bit. So tell us, tell us, Peg, how can we find you? Okay. Well, thank you for that. Yes. And I'm willing to travel anywhere. So um, I would love to be able to connect with uh, anyone. I have a website, pegarnold.org. On that, you'll find all the things about my ministry that I'm also on Facebook, Peg Arnold and the Wonder of Women. I call it the Wonder of Women for all the different characters that I do. That was a God-given title. I'm also on Instagram, Arnold Peg. You can follow me there. And I do um, daily scripture posts as well as weekly live videos of just encouragement. Uh, The Lord gives me different themes And as I said, the book is available on my website or on Amazon. If you buy it on my website, I'm willing to send a free journal with it. Or there's also some freebies on my website through devotions or some poems. And I'm also on YouVersion. If you're on the YouVersion app, you can look up Devotions for the Distracted Heart. And there's a seven-day devotional plan that you can go through. And I'd love to get feedback. People can reach me out. I am me. Um, if they want to email me, I'm pegarnoldwow at gmail.com. So I, I would love to touch base with any listener that uh, would like to reach out for encouragement uh, as a parent or as somebody that might be walking through the valley. Whatever the doors that God wants to open, I am there to say yes. Beautiful, Peg. I love that. And I love that you're on version. That is so cool. <laughs> and that you do the Facebook Lives too, because then this way people can get to know you and both visually and they can hear 
the message that God has laid on your heart to share. So I love that so much. And I hope to have you on again. I would love that. Sure. And I have to tell you, I'm not one of these persons on Facebook Live that I'm in my studio. And so I am usually out walking or outside. Sometimes I have makeup on, sometimes I don't. So you see the real me. <laughs> nice. Well, that lives up to what you were just talking about. You're just keeping it real and being who you are, Peg Arnold. And that is an amazing woman of God and sister in Christ. And I'm just excited to see what God is going to continue to do in your ministry and may he abundantly bless that in in you and your family as well and friends. So thank you for being on the show today. Thank you. All right, friend. God bless and we'll talk soon. God bless. Thank you for listening today, friend. I hope what Peg had to share blessed you and encouraged you and caused you to rethink maybe some ways that you were looking at where you are right now and to know that God has you where you're supposed to be. Do not fear because he is with you. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Let us do that. Let us wait on the Lord and rest in him. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I hope you'll join me next time when I talk with another woman who is taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.